Christian life often involves courage, risk, audacity, and vulnerability. And for many centuries of Christian history, there was something very courageous, risky, and audacious that few Christians dared to do. To do this thing was to make a person vulnerable to mistakes, to humiliation, and to harsh attacks. That courageous and risky thing was to put something in writing about the Trinity. In honor of Trinity Sunday, I'd like to tell the story of one 12th century theologian who did just that. His name was Peter Abelard, and he's most famous now for a scandalous sort of romance he had with Heloise, the most intelligent and educated woman in 12th century Europe. Long story short, the two had a son unexpectedly. Heloise's guardian, Uncle Fulbert, wasn't pleased, and both Abelard and Heloise ended up in monastic life. But in my opinion, that's the least interesting part of Abelard's story. In his new life situation, Abelard shifted his scholarly pursuits from philosophy to theology. According to Abelard, his students pressured him to write something about the Trinity because they wanted, as he put it, something intelligible rather than mere words. The mere words that these students were probably sick of hearing included all the technical vocabulary that theologians use to talk about the Trinity. And you'll hear some of these terms in our prayers and creeds and hymns today. So for example, the members of the Trinity are three distinct persons, not beings, persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father is unbegotten, the Son is begotten, and the Holy Spirit proceeds. Whether the Holy Spirit proceeds from both the Father and the Son or just from the Father has been a matter of long debate. But Abelard's students apparently wanted more than just the correct vocabulary for understanding the Trinity, and Abelard satisfied them with a treatise on the topic. But then some rival teachers got a hold of the treatise and began spreading rumors that Abelard's book taught that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were three separate gods. Now, while these accusations were probably unfair, it didn't help that Abelard was supremely confident in his intellectual capacity to understand the Trinity and gladly told others so. One of Abelard's enemies, a teacher named Alberic, and I apologize that all the characters in this story have names that begin with A. I'll try to keep them straight. So Alberic challenged Abelard about an argument in his book. So the argument went like this, that although God the Father begat God the Son, it's like Proposition A, Proposition B there, and there is only one God, Abelard denied that God had begotten himself. Yes, it's a brain teaser. When Abelard tries to explain himself, Alberic says he's not interested in rational explanations. All he wants is a quote from someone authoritative preferably a Christian man who lived in the second through fourth centuries because they were the only ones worth listening to. Well, fortunately for Abelard, he flips open his book at random, his own book, and lands on a quote from none other than St. Augustine defending Abelard's own point of view. Alberic fumes. Soon Alberic and Abelard's other enemies 
persuade a papal legate, so that would be like a papal representative, to condemn Abelard and to make him be appear before a council. Now they know better than to let Abelard speak, since he's defended himself successfully at open hearings before. So now at this council, there's no questioning, no discussion. They make Abelard throw his book on the Trinity into the fire with his own hands. As Abelard's book on the Trinity burns, someone claims that it argues that only God the Father and not God the Son or God the Holy Spirit is almighty. The papal legate is shocked and says that everyone knows that there are three almighties. But then someone else pipes up with this quote from St. Athanasius, one of those early Christian fathers. So the quote is this, there are not three almighties, but one almighty. So the papal legate is publicly embarrassed. A bishop rebukes this smart aleck quoter. And an archbishop steps in to say that everyone must know that the Father is almighty, the Son is almighty, and the Holy Spirit is almighty. But there's only one almighty, not three. And no one should listen to anyone who says otherwise. End of conversation. Beyond burning his book, there's one final humiliation in store for Abelard. Instead of listening, discussing, and inquiring, the council forces Abelard to publicly recite the Athanasian Creed, which if you're interested is found on page 864 of our prayer book, and spells out all the correct theological terms for understanding the Trinity. And then as a sharp insult, the people put a copy of the text of the Athanasian Creed in front of him in case he has trouble remembering what it says. Now this is insulting because any schoolboy at the time, let alone a university master like Abelard, would have known this creed by heart. The enforcers of orthodoxy treat Abelard as though his ignorance knows no depths. Abelard tells us, I spoke the creed out as best I could through tears choked with sobs. He also says that seeing his book burned hurt worse than any, any bodily injury he had ever received. And he'd received some in his life, if you know his full story. As he put it, this open violence had come upon me only because of the love of our faith, which had compelled me to write. How in the course of Christian history do insights about the nature of God twist and turn into dogmatic weapons that we use against one another. At its heart, the Trinity is simply this, an insight that God is multiple and that God is one. It's an insight that reminds us not to be so narrow in our monotheism that we lose our capacity to discover the divine present and active in the life of Jesus and in the spirit who refuses to be bound or tamed. It's an insight that prevents us from being so distracted by multiplicity that we lose our focus on shared values and shared purpose. God is multiplied, and God is one. Our second reading today puts Trinitarian theology where it belongs, in the context of peaceable relationships. Paul appeals to the community at Corinth to live in peace and to greet one another with a holy kiss. And he wishes 
that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with them all. All three persons of the Trinity are there in Paul's letter, though the terminology is a little off from what became the strict orthodoxy of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Yet the Trinity is there in the desire that God's people be both multiple in form and one in love. God is multiple and God is one. The doctrine of the Trinity is there, not as dogma, but as a beautiful, brilliant insight into the divine among us when we are most open to its unfolding. Amen. <laughs>